Christ. We're going to get into the word of the Lord today. I believe God wants to speak to us this morning. James chapter 4, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me today. While everybody is maneuvering and getting your Bibles or your notebooks out this morning, let me mention that the bi-monthly construction meeting that was announced this morning will not be held here. It will be held out at the new campus along with uh, a, a time of prayer. So if you, on Wednesday night, I want to make sure we get this clear. On Wednesday night, we're not going to meet here. We will be meeting at the campus at 7 o'clock for a time of prayer from 7 to 7.30. And then the bi-monthly construction meeting will happen uh, from 7.30 until 8.30. So everybody's welcome. We hope you can come out and have prayer with us out at the new facility. Doesn't that sound exciting? Amen. So we'll gather and uh, gather inside and have a time and a season of prayer uh, there on Wednesday night from 7 to 7.30 and then the construction meeting from 7.30 to 8.30. So I know you're going to want to be part. I'm excited about tonight. Wow, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful night. It's going to be a great time in the Lord. Looking forward to our, our uh, dinner afterwards. It's going to be a good time. Amen. James chapter 4. And let's start with verse number 7. Submit yourself therefore to God. We could probably stop and preach an entire message just on that one sentence. Submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaven. Is humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Amen, amen. With the help of the Lord this morning, I just want to talk to you for a little bit about a subject that I believe will be very important for us and I think it is important for us as a church and uh, one of my boys asked me this morning, are you preaching today, Dad? And I said, well, I'm not sure if I'm teaching or preaching. We're going to see. That may depend on you. We're going to preach or teach or preach or whatever it may be this morning by the help of the Lord uh, for a little while. But I want to talk to you about the spirit of our age, the spirit of our age. How many of you know we need to resist the spirit of our age? Let's pray over this message this morning. Lord, I pray for your anointing and power and spirit to rest upon your messenger this morning. God, strengthen now the hearts of every here today. Open our minds and our hearts to receive the word of the Lord. Let us be strengthened in our faith, bold and courageous, Lord, ready to move forward knowing that nothing is impossible with you. God, with you we can do all things and we will overcome the world. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. There is a spirit that is rampant in this age. And the true battle that we fight is not a battle against humanity. Now, I want you to understand this. I, I made a statement a few weeks ago, and um, maybe it was a little misunderstood by a few people, uh, particularly those um, that are carnal-minded. The Scripture said the carnal mind can't comprehend the things of the Spirit. And so I was thinking spiritual thoughts and uh, making spiritual statements regarding regarding. Our real battle, our real battle is not with flesh and blood. Scripture said we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places, against principalities, against powers. And so understanding that our real struggle is not against flesh and blood and not against people. Sometimes we need to be very, very careful. In this world that we live, there are people that 
are captivated and used by the Spirit. Now, I'm not going to talk to you this morning about demonology. That's not what I'm getting into. But I want to lay a little groundwork and a little foundation for you this morning to explain to you the impact that the spirit of this age is having upon the world that we live and the impact it is having upon the church. Because if we are not careful, although we are saved, sanctified, set free, delivered, walking and talking, the talk and the walk, but we can very, very easily become a tool of the enemy. And the spirit of this age will work through anyone who is not privy of its desire to work through us. And the spirit of this age, is, is it, there is an attack that, there is an onslaught that it's not something, you know, they don't come in uh, beating drums and playing trumpets. It eases in when you're not paying attention. It comes in unaware. It comes in very, very sly, very carefully. It comes in in every way. And it is the pressures to conform to society. It is the spirit of this age. And the spirit of this age, I believe, manifests itself in many different ways. I'm going to talk to you about a few of those ways this morning that the spirit of our of this age, the spirit of this day, that is making an all-out attack. People talk about the de-Christianization of America. That's been going on for a very long time. It's not something that's new. And so we have to understand that when we are warring and battling against the Spirit, even in prayer, that we are not praying against people, but we're praying against the Spirit that people manifest. If we're not careful, we will hate people that the Bible's telling us to love. See, the world doesn't get this. They don't understand this because they can't separate the fact of a spirit that somebody is bound by or a spirit that somebody manifests that is of Satan itself. And if we stand against the spirit, they feel we are standing against the person. In fact, the church needs to be very careful. That we hate the sin, but love the sinner. There's only one way this can be done. That we understand that it is not the person, but it is the spirit that has control of the person. Sometimes attitudes and spirits that are manifest among even among the people of God that may not be right doesn't mean that person hasn't uh, been saved and born again of the water and of the Spirit. The issue is, is maybe they let down on their prayer. Maybe they stopped paying attention for a little while and all of a sudden the Spirit of this age attached itself to them. And now instead of it being a godly and a holy spirit, a godly and a righteous attitude, now there is a new manifestation and it is because the lack of our paying attention to what the real battle is our real warfare is not against flesh and blood it's not against people but it is against the spirit that they manifest know this some people will say oh they're the sweetest person in the world and somebody else is thinking What are you talking about? And it sounds like you're talking about two different people. In fact, you're dealing with two different spirits. Can I help somebody this morning? This may be a little too teachy for you on Sunday morning. To understand that we say, well, they're they're two-faced or 
you know, they're, they're one thing to somebody and one thing to somebody else. In part, that is maybe the truth. One of my boys said yesterday, I don't believe that the devil knows what is going on. The truth is, is the devil can't read your mind. But when you verbalize and vocalize things, the devil can hear what you're saying. And so then he takes a hold of that and begins to war against your mind. The devil really can't make you do anything, but when you act out in a way that is not pleasing to the Lord, the devil will attach himself to that bad action. And so to one person, somebody can be sweet and kind, but let somebody walk up that, is, that, that has the, the, the spirit of, of understanding or the gift of knowledge on them or uh, the gift of discerning of spirits and they walk up to that individual and they are a complete different person. So in fact, one's not right and the other's wrong. When somebody says, oh, how sweet they are, and somebody else says they're a devil... <laughs> The issue is, is that they are allowing a spirit to work through them. In the spirit realm, the spirit realm is not so concerned about your flesh. It is concerned about keeping you from being saved. About causing you to fail. About causing you to have issues with God and with other believers. I hope I can help you this morning, but there is a spirit that is rampant in this age. The message I'm preaching this morning may go right over some of your heads if you're not paying real close attention to what I am saying this morning. But there has never been a time in the church that the church needed the spirit of discernment. I know some of you don't like it when I do this, but I'm, I, I do it for, for a purpose and for a reason of, of getting some of you to remember what it is I'm saying. Now I'm asking you to turn to your neighbor and tell them you need the spirit of discernment. Good, I hope you don't forget that. You need the spirit of discernment. The spirit of discernment. You need to understand what you are dealing with. It's not often understanding who you are dealing with. It's understanding what spirit you are dealing with. Somebody said, how can you like that person? It has nothing to do with the person. It has everything to do with the spirit. And if they want it cast out, I'll be glad to cast it out. But they've got to want it cast out. See, you can't get over. Is this too much for you? Am I making some of you nervous this morning? You see, you can't get, you, you, don't, you don't get a spirit out of your life just by saying, well, if you want to pray for me that that spirit just gets off of me, you go ahead and pray for me. It isn't going to do any good. Me and everybody else is wasting our time. You've got to see the error of your way and want deliverance. And that's why the Bible says to resist and until you resist you're going to keep dealing with the same thing over and over again the preacher can preach the prayer ministry can pray but you're going to deal with the same spirit over and over until you decide I will resist anybody know what I mean when I say resist temptation we were traveling yesterday. I went into, uh, uh, we stopped at a convenience store and I went in and they had Cinnabons. And they're out there fixing it all up and I walked up and I'm thinking, oh, those things smell good. And I looked down and it said 800 calories. I'm thinking low carb diet. What the doctor says or what I want. <laughs> Look at all of you out there looking at me like, surely not. 
I did. It was good. And then I repented. See, we've got to learn how to resist the temptation of the enemy that comes to war against your spirit. There is a spirit that is rampant in in this age and it will not just flee because you show up to church on Sunday. It will not turn its back and run away from you because you've been baptized or because you received the Holy Ghost. You must resist the devil and he will flee from you. The Apostle Paul talks about how the enemy comes in to try to destroy you and there's only one way that you can overcome him. He said, whom ye resist being steadfast in the faith. There's the word for you. You came this morning looking for a word. There it is. You've got to be steadfast in the faith. That's the resistance that causes the enemy to flee from you. This age seems to be undoing everything. They, they undo everything that past generations did. I believe the previous generation did a lot of questioning and asked Why, why, why? This generation is not even asking why. It's just, if it's old-fashioned, let's undo it. If somebody's done it before, let's not do it. Let's undo everything that's been done. Everything that previous generations have worked to build up, this generation is trying to break down. I'm not sure that we're moving forward. Maybe we're moving backwards in some areas, particularly areas of morality and spirituality and sensitivity to the Spirit and discernment of spirits and the gift and operations of spirits. If we're not careful, oh, there is a move, there is a move in this generation that is standing firm and going forward by faith. This younger generation, I am I am thrilled of what I see, but there are extremes on both sides. Either they are there is a strong move of God moving forward, or there is an extreme move again. Morality and godliness and righteousness. It seems like today that everything is under attack. One of the things I've noticed so much is how that this generation has lost respect for everything, including themselves. As a kid, probably most of us learned honor and respect. How many of you remember honor and respect when it was commonplace? See your hands up all over the building. When we learned honor and respect. When we were, how many of you were taught to say, yes sir, and no ma'am. We were taught to respect our parents. I was in a a store, not a convenience store, I was in a, uh, a hardware store a few days ago, a few weeks ago. There was a, presumably a mom and a grandmother and a child and I heard that child the way that child was talking to the mother and I'm thinking hmm and that child was talking to the mother horribly screaming at the mom in the store distracting I noticed I wasn't the only one that like was looking around like really kid was calling the mom all sorts of horrible names and yelling at the mom and screaming at the mom. And the mom's just over there paying no attention. She's just over there looking through stuff. And in a minute, she turned around and she started screaming at the kid. And her screaming at the kid was worse than the screaming that the kid was doing. And started calling the kid all sorts of names. 
started yelling all sorts of things and in a minute here come the mom over and she started yelling at her daughter and started telling the daughter, you need to lay off. He's just acting just like you. And so then the two of them went at it for a few minutes and they're screaming back and forth. I finally got some help, got what I needed. I get to the cashier line. I'm getting ready to check out and guess who's in line in front of me? The kid's up there acting crazy. The mom's acting crazy. The grandmother's acting crazy. The cashier's up there about to lose her mind. They finally get checked out and get through the store and I stepped up to the cashier and the cashier said, I'm sorry, they've been through here before. That's the worst kid I've ever seen. I said, no ma'am. She looked at me kind of funny. I said, that's the worst parenting I've ever seen. See, the issue, oh, ain't nobody going to like me when I'm done today. It's what we're teaching and what we are living by example. Oh, we want to blame it on the kids, but what are we doing in front of them? How are we training them? Oh, we want them to live as we say, do as I say, do and not as I do, but anybody in the house know it doesn't work that way. We were taught to respect our parents, to respect teachers. When I got a note sent home with me from school, we had a little rule at our house. Those of you that are a little younger than me may not know about this, but I lived in the day when they paddled us at school. How many of you know what I'm talking about today? And my dad said, boy, if you get in trouble at school, you're going to get real bad in trouble when you get home because the teacher was right. Well, see, see, I feel it in the room. I feel the spirit of the age in the room. I was taught respect for police officers. As a kid, you see a police officer, you say, yes, sir. No, sir. You speak to them with honor. You see a military individual, you thank them for their service. When you understand that they're military, you thank them for their service. I'm talking about the way I was raised up, the way some of you were raised up. But the spirit of this age puts everybody in question. Thus is led. I'm not saying that every military person's right and every police officer's right. I know some of the things we've been seeing in the news media. But could I back up just a little bit and just, I, I, I didn't intend to get here, but I'm going to. I got a feeling if we would begin to show respect like we used to, they might not live on the edge that they have to live on now. Not condoning wrongdoings. Don't get that wrong. Ministry has fallen and failed and made mistakes and it has caused a lot of it and we've brought a lot of it on ourselves. but I remember a day when, when somebody said that they were ministry it meant something there was respect I was taught to respect my elders but the spirit of this age has lost respect the spirit of the age says give honor to whom has earned it by doing what pleases me. Y'all aren't liking me this morning. I know it's Sunday morning. I'm supposed to lift you all up. The Bible says to give honor, whose honor to whom honor is due. Don't be upset with me this morning. I'm trying to preach with you and for you. I'm trying to tell you that there is a spirit that is rampant in the world that we have got to resist. And sometimes by not resisting, we are causing our own problems. And we're training our children that what we're not, what we accept 
in our generation becomes the norm for the next generation. What we tolerate in this generation is acceptable in the next generation. The teaching of honor and respect is is not subjective to the judgment of man because it it pleases the Lord. But rather, it is designed by God to evaluate the submission of one who is giving honor. These are things, see they miss the real point of why the Bible teaches submission. They say the Bible is irrelevant in this day and age because it teaches things like being submitted to authority. But we can't trust authority so, so we can't be submitted. But the Bible teaches submission to, the, to authority because it is working something good in us. God will reward those that do. There's another spirit that I see in our age. The spirit in this age see themselves as the center of their own universe. It's all about me and mine and what's important to me and mine. I don't really care about anybody else. The spirit of this age causes people to say, I don't really care who it hurts or affects around me. As long as me and mine, as long as I am okay, everything revolves around me. We could change the words of the song. The spirit of the age says, God wants me happy. That's right. Some of the television evangelists, that's what they're preaching. God wants you to be happy. He doesn't want you to be happy. That's not his concern. Happy is a result of happenings. God wants you to be saved. And he wants to bless your life. And he wants you to walk in the favor of God. If you walk upright before the Lord and walk in the favor of God, you will live a happy life. But if you seek after happiness and you are not willing to walk upright before the Lord, you will never get what you're seeking after. Does this make sense? Jesus says it like this, take up my cross, take up your cross. Serving God has some cost attached to it. But it will never be more than you can bear. But the spirit of the age says, let's make it easier. Let's make it, let's make it quicker, more simple, easy. And this easy believism in religion is wrecking society because it's giving people false faith. All I got to do is just believe on the Lord, blink my headlights three times. Drop $2 in the offering pan, show up on Christmas and Easter. I'm a Christian. Serving God is not about you getting everything that you want. Supplying all of your wishes. We do live in a day of miracle signs and wonders. If I would have come this morning and preached about the miraculous power of God, you would have all been on your feet already. If I talked about miracle signs and wonders, if I talked about healing and things that are going to bless you, you would have been, woo! Because we treat God like a genie in a bottle. I pray my prayer to be blessed. I pray my prayer to have more. Give me the car I want, the house I want, the lifestyle I want, the money I want, the security I want. But serving God is not about you getting everything you want. Serving God, think about those words. Serving God is about being a servant of God. It's not about you 
It is about Him. It's about being in the service of God. Giving up my preferences for His preferences. Church is not about my preferences. It's not about what I like or dislike. It doesn't matter how many social media memes go out and tell you that it's all about you. It's really not. That's the spirit of our age. My worship, our worship, must be about Him. Not about me. and Not about somebody seeing me or hearing me. My worship is about Him. My preaching is not about your enjoyment. It's not about your accolades. I did a seminar a few days ago. I mean, I was taking part of the seminar on the receiving end of the seminar. And I was listening to the speaker. And as I was listening to the speaker, he said, here's the problem with preachers who want to please the crowd. They get, they get drunk on the applause. They get hyped up about the accolades. He said, if you wanted to please people and make people happy, you should have never gotten in ministry. Because leaders never please all the people all the time. If you want to please all the people all the time, you should have been a candy salesman. I'll put in a few apps. Just kidding. Serving God is about being in the service of God. My preaching is not for your enjoyment, but God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save those which are lost. Teaching is for the discipling of people. Preaching is to save those which are lost. Neither of the two is about enjoyment. Another spirit that is rampant in our age is a spirit that refuses accountability. Would you look at your neighbor and ask them, who are you accountable to? Mm, Heavy words, heavy words. Who are you accountable to? Heavy words. The spirit of this age says, I will be accountable to no one. I will answer to nobody. I am the person in charge. It's the spirit of this age. Be careful when you see people that refuse to have somebody else around them be able to speak into their life. I've had people say to me, and my kids have said it many times to me, Dad, why don't you speak up? Why don't you say something? Wouldn't do any good. Because if Jesus himself walked in, they're not accountable to him. Let them go. Let them do what they want to do. The spirit of this age refuses accountability. The world will agree with anything as long as nobody holds us accountable. We can agree to it, but if we're not held accountable, what does it mean? The spirit of this age refuses accountability. Some prove that they want to do whatever they want to do and still get the results out of their life. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. You can run from accountability. You can move when somebody has your number and you refuse to be accountable. And so you're like, well, I'll just change. This is what I've said about people many, many times. I'm going to say it again this morning. We all love it when people come to church. We all hate it when people leave our church. But when people leave the church over an issue, I usually have a little statement that I make. When you show up to the next church, the issue is going to show up there with you. Because the issue is probably not people or the pastor or the music or whatever you claimed was the problem. But the issue 
is that most people don't want to be accountable. I want to do whatever I want to do in life, and then I'm going to decide what my results are going to be. It doesn't work like that. You will reap what you sow. God is holding us accountable for our thoughts, our actions, and our motives. While man cannot know the motives of another, I hope you're hearing me this morning. I know we're not running the aisles today, but I'm speaking to you in the Holy Ghost today, and there needs to be a spirit of discernment. You're, my wife, I know in kids' prayer, my wife makes some great big ears, and you know, they have supersonic ears. The kids are listening to the Lord with their supersonic ears. It's cute. I hope you got them on this morning. Because the Spirit is trying to speak to the church today. While we don't really know the motives of other people, God knows the very thought and the intent of the heart. Accountability to other people is for our good. It's not about God. He already knows the thought and intent of your heart. He already knows what you did that you put around everybody else. I watched a tell-all video yesterday. Was shocked. Blew me away. One of the great leaders of the day. Person of importance and influence. I watched his tell-all video that he put out a couple days ago. He comes out and begins to describe and talk about things. No wonder people were questioning when he come out and said, nobody knew this, but for so many years I've struggled with this and I've struggled with that and I've had this issue and I've had this issue. And I'm thinking, what have you accomplished? Your lack of accountability. Real accountability. Real accountability means I'm truly accountable. I'm not hiding or sneaking. I'm being real. And I'm accountable to somebody. God already knows the issues. We repent and we tell God we're sorry for something. We're not describing to Him we're over here crying and breaking down. Oh God, I'm so sorry. This i got to tell you about this thing going on with me. I knew you before you were ever formed. When you were still in your mama's belly, I knew you. I know the very thought and intent of your heart. We're over here breaking down and think we're telling God something about about us that He don't already know. The reason for accountability is to help us deal with some of the issues that we have in our life. i got to move. Another spirit that is in our age. This spirit has found itself in our church. It's in the church world rampant like none other time that I know. It really doesn't matter what the Bible says. It matters what I like or the way I see it. Not what the scripture teaches. Especially when it goes against the desires of my flesh. I told you there's there's a spirit that's rampant in the world. It doesn't really matter what the Bible said. Many profess to believe the scripture. But they consider it irrelevant when it deals with personal issues. People act out of what brings them enjoyment and makes them feel good. At the moment, it really doesn't matter what the Bible says. When those come to me and talk to me and I share with them, this is what, this is how I feel. This is what I believe. I'm going to be very real. This has happened to me about eight times in the last year. I believe that when we came to you, Pastor, that your mind was already made up. When it comes to biblical issues, my mind is already made up. My mind is already made up. I already have a predetermined idea. I don't have to think about it and judge it and decide whether the scripture is right or not. 
The Scripture's always right. Is that all right? Thank you. It does really matter what the Bible says. We try to get around it. I've used this before. I can use this because this person's not around anymore for me to, for me to a, a affect or afflict when I make this statement. Had somebody come to me one time and said, Pastor, I know you preach that we're supposed to pay tithing and that it's a biblical thing, but we're really having a rough time right now, and I wonder if it would be okay with you if I didn't pay my tithing for the next six months until I get on my feet, and then I'm going to start back paying my tithing. I said, who do you think I am? Well, you're my pastor. That's why I'm coming to you. I said, listen, I'm your pastor. I'm not God. If I excuse something that God requires, I have become a people pleaser. All I can tell you is what I understand in Scripture, that if you choose to do this, You're doing it against what the Scripture teaches. Whether you do or not, it's not here there with me. Your money is your money. You do with it what you want. But if you do, know you're going against the Scripture. And the way I understand it, if you rob God, that He'll put some holes in your pockets. In six months from now, you're still not going to be caught up. And the only way you're going to be able to make it then is to not be able to pay your tithing. Now, I'm just using one example because there's a lot of things out here. Pastor, I need to be excused from this or that or the other because I have a special situation. We all, have, we all are special. We all have special situations. It really does matter what the Bible says. If the Bible says that you must be born again. You must be born again. There's no way to put around it. If the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, that's what it really did meant. When the scripture says resist the devil, it really did mean that you've got to put a little gut and gumption into it and resist. Because if you don't fight the good fight of faith, You're not going to ever be able to make it. It is going to be a struggle. You've got to resist. (laughs) We've got to be submitted to the word of the Lord and say if the Bible says it, then so be it. i got to hurry. i got to close. I'm going to go a long time this morning. The spirit of this age caters to the flesh instead of denying the flesh. It's straight out biblical here. It caters to the flesh. I don't know, what do you enjoy? What do you like? Let's do what we like. Let's do what we enjoy. Nothing wrong with fun and nothing wrong with entertainment and exciting and fun things. We all love it. We all love to have fun. How many of you like to have fun? Good, that's not a sin. But the New Testament continually says, deny yourself. Crucify the flesh. This age hates this kind of teaching. But we must overcome the flesh. And we must overcome the spirit of this age. And resist the spirit of this age. The spirit of this age lives after the flesh. But Romans 8 and 1 says, walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The word picture that Paul uses here is that of a commanding officer. Our flesh, our old habits, try to dictate to us to follow the old patterns that we once lived. And the apostle says, you're no longer in debt, indebted to the flesh. The old man had to do whatever the flesh said to do. But when you're born again a new creature, you no longer have a debt to the flesh. You have the power to say no to the flesh. You have the power to resist the enemy that would come against you. The flesh doesn't like it. The flesh is not going to want it. It takes patience and trust and endurance to stop 
and listen and trust God when it comes to these things. But you will never hear the voice of God when you're listening to the voice of the flesh. That's why our prayer and fasting seasons are so important for us. It's about time that we move into a whole new arena of prayer and fasting. It is so important for us when we stop listening to the flesh and start telling the flesh, no. I don't understand why i got to cut out media. I'm not going to do that. That's the whole point. You can't. I don't know why I got to, what good's fasting going to do? I'm slim and trim and eat healthy. That's the point. You can't tell yourself no. This means we have to control our tendencies to try to solve everything our own way and begin to wait on God and begin to trust God for our life and our future. We can't solve everything. The spirit of this age builds alliances with the world. I have a connection. It doesn't need to be in the church. I take my counsel outside the church. I've never seen it work. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, And the love of God is not in him. We've got to strive. I've got to close. I've got to close. Come, Cheryl, give them hope, please. We can't allow this flesh to control us. There is a spirit that is rampant in the world. And it's desensitizing us. I'm only about halfway through this message. I'll have to come back and finish it on another day. Maybe more fitting for Wednesday night. The spirit of this age is continually trying to wear each of us down. Works at us continually. But you can resist it. And you can overcome it. I don't care who tells you you can't. You can overcome it. Alcoholics have been told they could never get over alcoholism. But there's some of you here this morning that can say, I've done it. Some of you were bound by nicotine and they said you'd never be able to break it but you're here this morning saying I did it. There's some of you here this morning that were bound by other sins and other addictions and you thought you would never be able to control it but you're here today and you've got it whipped. You can only do that by the power of the Holy Ghost. And Ladies and gentlemen, if you're struggling with things in your life this morning, I want to tell you, you will not be able to do it in the flesh. Because the flesh will desire the things of the world. And these temptations that the devil is throwing at us, we will give into. Because we are flesh and we are human and we desire humanly things and fleshly and earthly things. But I want to tell you this morning that if you want help out of that situation, God will help you out this morning. If you'll repent of your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you. He will forgive you your sins. All you've got to do is repent and turn it over to Him. Your sins can be remitted and washed away in the waters of baptism. If you've never been baptized today, you can overcome this world that is coming against you. But you will not be able to do it in the flesh. And you can't do it by repentance only. But you've got to be born again. And that includes water baptism in the name of Jesus. And if you've never been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you must be born again of the water and the Spirit. If you've never spoken with other tongues as the Spirit of God has given the utterance, you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It will empower you. It will give you the ability to live in this sinful world and yet walk above sin. When the enemy comes, you'll be able to resist the enemy by being steadfast in the faith. God has sent this preacher here this morning to tell you there is hope out of that situation. If you've been walking with the Lord, child of God, but you have been given in to the enemy and to the world and to the lure of the world that is trying to impose its will upon you and you've stopped in your fight and you've given up and you've given in and you've said it's too hard, I'll just take it as it comes. 
I want to tell you this morning, God wants to turn that around in you. You've got to resist him this morning. You've got to say no to him this morning. You've got to declare to him today, get behind me, Satan. For I am a child of the Lord. I will not walk in the way of man, but I will walk in the way of righteousness. I will walk in the way of godliness. Stand with me today if you would, please. The Lord is calling us this morning. He is speaking this morning and He is calling those today that have been walking after their own way, been walking after the way of the world, been walking after the way of the flesh. God is calling you today. and He is saying to you, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Casting all of your cares upon Him, for He cares for you. God's calling you this morning. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I make my appeal to you this morning. I know I've gone long. Thank you for tolerating my longevity this morning. There is a spirit that is in the world, but there is a spirit that is greater. For greater is he. (laughs) Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I want you to know this morning there is hope for you. You can overcome it, for he overcame it. The altars are open today. Would there be one that would step out from where you are today? And would you make your way here to the front of this room this morning? Would you come to the Lord and just say, I'm coming just as I am, without one plea. I come this morning to give my heart, my life, to turn it over to you afresh and anew. Lord, I want to overcome this flesh. I want to walk in the way of God. I want to walk in the ways of the Lord. Oh, Lord.